All right, Shalom Aleichem. Good evening. Welcome to a double dose. Thursday night, Lel Shishi, Erev Shabbos, Lechemishna, two letters, double header. And to those who are joining us live, I apologize for the slightly late start. Most people watch this in the archive version, not live, but to those joining us live, uh, I apologize for the start. It's 10.03 right now, but uh, Baruch Hashem, I'm just coming from a simcha in Crown Heights, which I left early, and the Baal Simcha knows that I left early. In fact, he asked me, he says, you're going to be on time for your live stream, right? And so I just want to wish a mazel tov to the Gazinski and Zions families, uh, mazel tov on Hindi and Machol's chasana. They should have a minion, adiyad, and all the brachas mentioned by the Rebbe in the letter, in the letter that was read at the chuppah, all of those brachas should be fulfilled in their marriage. Somebody suggested me, suggested to me, by the way, as a, a lot of people have ideas how we should continue after uh, Yudal of Nissen. So somebody said, why don't you take all the letters that we read, the, the, the Rebbe's letters that we traditionally read at Simchas and go through those. So I thought about that. That's, that's one of our possible ideas. Just floating it out there. You heard it here first. Um, I want to mention a few shout-outs. Just trying to uh, pull that up. I literally just got out of the car with uh, my wife and four of our kids, and uh, my six-year-old had dropped a pen between the crack in the seats and was desperately trying to get the pen out for the past 20 minutes. So... <laughs> That's. I hope they found the pen. We pulled up in the driveway. I said, Tati's got to go on live, and I hope you find your pen. Okay. Anyways, that's the reality. I know this, that's, that's my life. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we want to mention the teachers of Cheder Chabad in Philadelphia got together uh, for a special group to discuss the igros, the letters that we've been learning. And uh, we want to just uh, mention that group. Also, oh, I mentioned last night that reservations for the in-person event on Euler Yod Aleph Nissen, Monday night, April 11th, uh, that spots were filling up very, very fast. Spots have filled up completely. There, there are no more spots. In fact, it's a little bit overbooked, like I learned from the airlines, so... I think it's, I think 103 people already got in their RSVPs, so see what we can do. But really, it's a it's a room for 100 people, um, and that's it. So if you did not RSVP, uh, you can obviously you can join us at the aisle. You can come to the aisle. The aisle is open 24/7 to anyone. But the actual venue, one block away from the aisle, that only that the capacity there is 100 people. That only seats 100, and you can watch the live stream which will be on 30letters30days.com. Okay, was there anything else I was supposed to mention? Was there anything else? I'm just trying to remember. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think so. So let's get to our letters. Double shear. Okay. Move this aside. It doesn't need to be right here. Okay. Um... 
just trying to find the right page. 26, yeah. Letter 26, Shame Havaya. That's right. Okay, here we go. Baruch Hashem, Chof Ches Shvat Tov Tes Vav, Brooklyn Shalom Avracha. So this letter is from the 28th day of the month of Shvat, still in the month of Shvat. Uh, 5715, Brooklyn, greetings and blessings. In answer, in reply to your letter of the 24th of Shvat. So the, le- the letter that Reb is writing is the 28th, responding to a letter that uh, was dated on the 24th. It's pretty quick. Um, I'm sure you know the story, says the Rebbe. And in parentheses, the Rebbe says, Ela shalai shamaitiv I didn't hear it from my father-in-law, the Rebbe, therefore, I don't know its source. Nevertheless, the point of the story makes sense, and it's a good story. Basically, the Rebbe is saying, this is very interesting itself. Um, <laughs> that I was saying, if I didn't hear it from my father-in-law, you know, I can't vouch for it, but it's a good story. And, uh, you know, sometimes we tell stories that are called apocryphal stories, or uh, sometimes you call it a parable, you know, we don't, yeah, I don't know if it really happened, but... So the Rebbe is saying, I don't know, I didn't hear this from my father-in-law, but it's a good story, and it doesn't matter if it happened, because the point is what I'm trying to bring out. What's the story? The story is, and by the way, from this you can infer the level of veracity to which the Rebbe attributed anything that he heard from his father-in-law. That, that's a, a share for another time. But everything that Rebbe heard from his father-in-law was ironclad. And if he didn't hear it from his father-in-law, it was like, just no matter what the source, it was already <laughs> in another category, not the, the top category. At any rate, so here's a nice story, and it doesn't matter if it happened. The point is that I'm trying to uh, say something here with this story. Okay. Ba'avre Hasidi, there was a Hasidisha younger man, a young married man who was uh, of the Hasidic persuasion. Sheherich Ba'achonis Latvila. He prolonged his preparations for prayer. You know, Chassidim have a, a custom of preparing for prayer. We don't just run and daven right away. We take time to meditate and to learn some Chassidus, and we go to the mikveh, and we even make sure that our body is quiet and settled with a cup of coffee and even mezainus. That's a whole, uh, that's a whole parsha for another time. The history and the Rebbe's involvement in establishing mezainus farandavanin, to eat a little something before prayer. At any rate, there's a lot of preparation that goes on before we just fly right into davening. So uh, there was this chassidish younger man who took a long time to prepare for davening. Ad krishma utvila but he prepared so long, the time for Shema had passed, which even if you prepare long for prayer, you're supposed to say Shema first before you say Sman Krishma. So that was not a good thing he did. And the time for Tefillah passed. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into a whole discussion about, well, what do you do after Seis Man Tfila, but really you could dive into Chatzais, and that's a, that's a discussion for another time. At any rate, he, he prepared so long that all of these times had passed, and then what happened? And then he davened really fast. <laughs> you understand the irony. Like if he had spent hours preparing for davening and you saw him davening later in the day, but his davening was a real davening. Maybe he spent hours to get ready for davening, but then his davening also took hours, right? So then... It makes sense. It matches. But here, here's what he did. He spent all this time preparing for davening, and then when he actually went to go daven, he ripped off a, a fast davening. Like, you had to prepare so long for that? That's what you prepared for? It makes sense, somebody who spends a lot of time preparing, if in the end, when he davens, he's going to daven for a long time, even though it raises other questions. But it makes sense because, you see, he's preparing. But to take all that time preparing and then to rip off a fast davening like that, what does it take all that preparation for? And why get yourself into these doubtful predicaments, these halachic questions of the time having passed, the time for Shema, the time for, for Tefillah? Like, why do you have to get yourself into that kind of question when the davening that you did in the end was a davening that you could have done without all the preparation? In other words, you had to prepare all that time for that kind of davening, that kind of davening <laughs> you could have produced without any preparation. You understand? Okay. So that's the story. Why is the Rebbe telling this story? Um, I have a question for you. Based on the assumption, and I don't know if this assumption is true, but based on the assumption that the letters that we've read so far are representative of the letters in Igris Kaidish. And based on the assumption that the letters in Igris Kodesh are representative of the Rebbe's correspondences on, on the whole. What have you noticed being the thing that Rebbe asks for most often? Did you notice a pattern, a pick up on anything? You notice that Rebbe asks people to write, to report, to check in? You think that's what this is about? Yeah, I do too, yeah. So, watch what the Rebbe says. V'achrei b'koshe slichose kezeh hu gamkein b'negea l'michtav kvei teirose shiichye. So I, I, I apologize in advance, but the same applies, meaning the point of this story applies to the letter that you wrote. Asher hefsik b'in echod l'chavere gadol b'yeser the the lag time between one letter and the next is a really long time. 
כיוון שמסקבצם כמה עניינים הדרשים ריכוז מחשבה, סימוס לב וכסיבה מפרטס. If you had to write a letter that would have required a lot of concentration of the mind and a lot of attention of the heart and the letter itself would have been detailed. So I would have understood that it took you so long to produce such a letter. Avalachona gedela vehefsik umichtav kotzer betechnei but such a long preparation, such a long lag time, and then to produce a short letter? Seemingly, this is an irreconcilable contradiction. Doesn't add up. <laughs> took you all that time? I would have thought, I'm going to get such a letter that took such concentration and devotion, and it's going to be so full of detail. I was waiting so long. I, I, surely you were going to send me a real bomb of a letter. But I get this puny little letter. I mean, the Rebbe doesn't use that word, but, you know, that's the implication. Like, this is the letter. This is what, you know, you, you go to the restaurant and you order the food and they keep you waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then the end, they serve you something mediocre and the portions are small and this I waited so long for. The Rebbe's muscle was about davening. My muscle is about getting food at a restaurant. Okay, that's, anyways. Vihirot saying, Shiyichtavu ubepratius hamasima ubaasid hachi kariv. So may it be Hashem's will that you'll very soon write with the proper detail. All right, so <laughs> basically, the Rebbe is saying, I still didn't get. The letter from you that I was expecting, but you could still write it, and I'm waiting for it. Okay. Now there are some ellipses, dot, 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 and I don't know how much is missing here, um, but it seems that the second part of the letter is related to the first part of the letter, in as much as the Rebbe is reminding this person uh, to be more productive. I guess is the way I would say it. Um, to be more industrious and not to put things off. So the Rebbe said that about the writing. Now the Rebbe is going to say a similar thing about this person's work, which it seems is education, that they're in the field of education. Let's see what the Rebbe says here. Ubechlal... In general, I don't know how I can find any other words. I mean, that, that's painful to read. Like, I know what it means to the frustration of trying to express something and not being able to express it. I don't know. I guess different people are, are different. I mean, I know different people. Just the Gemara says in Brachas that no two people have the same mind but I, I know at least for me personally the inability to express myself not knowing how to find any other words that's 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 it's it's deeply painful so the Rebbe to me when the Rebbe says this I, I just it's um it's painful to read the Rebbe saying I don't I can't I don't know how to find any other words to explain to every one of them 
and and I think that I was speaking to the the group with which this person, the letter writer, is involved. Asher ha'omer b'mishnah ani loy nivresi ela leshamesh eskoini. There's a Mishnah that says, I was only created to serve my maker. My existence is not for me. I'm not here for me. I'm here for him. I'm here to be a servant and to be of service to my maker. So the Rebbe is saying, I don't know how to explain it. I, I can't find any other words that will make all of you and, and it sounds like it's the group of educators with which this person's involved, to understand something. I'm trying to get you to understand something. The Mishnah says, I was only created to serve my maker. Okay, fine. And But what does that mean? Here's what the Rebbe is saying. That, When the Mishnah says, I was only created to serve my maker, it doesn't mean only things that are mind-blowing. Serving your creator doesn't have to be spectacular. It doesn't have to be big things. It doesn't have to be front-page news. Serving your creator could be little day-to-day things, quote-unquote regular things. And so often it is. That's the service of Hashem regular day-to-day consistency. And I don't know how to explain to them this idea that serving Hashem doesn't just mean the big things. The Rebbe continues here. V'chulu, etc. U'kidugmas k'ayin gadol b'shmeyna b'gdei zahav v'chulu. It doesn't have to be a k'ayin gadol, a high priest, in his eight vestments. In other words, serving Hashem can be mundane, day-to-day, pedestrian, quote-unquote, boring things that nobody talks about. No one's going to write you up in the paper. You're not going to put out a press release about it. Why can't I get you guys to understand that? And that I was expressing frustration, it seems. seems clear to me. What is the real meaning of I was only created to serve my maker? It's to each individual, every one of us, in our day-to-day regular lives. And specifically in areas that the world calls, I mean, literally gray stuff, but bland, banal, everyday Boring. Hey, oh, that's not serving Hashem. I want to do something cool. I need you to understand that serving Hashem can and must be in the little things. The Rebbe doesn't bring this here, but there's a medrash that's brought in the Hagdama to the Enyankif. The, the Mechaber of the Enyankif says there's a medrash that he actually says, I don't know the source for. But there was a three-way machlekes of Tanoim about what is the, I think it's called the Posuk HaKoilel, the most all-embracing verse in all of Scripture. In other words, if you could pick one verse in Scripture which sort of embraces or encompasses everything, which one would it be? And so one Tana 
says, uh, I think it was uh, Ben Zayma says, Shema Yisrael, oh, Yichod Hashem, right? The, the oneness of God, that's a, that's a pretty uh, big idea, right? And then uh, Ben Nana says um, that it's, V'yahav Duryach HaKamecha, that also send, sounds pretty uh, compelling, right? Didn't, uh, didn't Rabbi Akiva say that that's the Klau Godo Batayra? Yeah, sounds pretty compelling. And then uh, Ben Pazi says, <laughs> that you take the one sheep in the morning and you take the one sheep in the afternoon. He's talking about the Tamidin, the every day when the Beis Hamikdash would set up shop. The first sacrifice of the day was the one morning sheep and the last sacrifice of the day was the afternoon sheep. He says, that's the Pasa that's the overarching verse that's the anthem for the entire Torah. And the uh, Mechaber of the Yankov explains, you know, Yichod Hashem, Avos Yisrael, these are biggies, but you know what? That's kind of the problem. They're so big that um, people revere these ideas to the point of abstraction, <laughs> to the point where it's a nice idea, but like does it have application in my life? No. The best thing is, if you want to have everything, just focus on the Tamidin, on the regular stuff. On the regular stuff. The everyday stuff. And then you also have Shema Yisrael, but consistency, consistency, consistency with the small everyday stuff. Okay. Anyways, the Rebbe doesn't bring that here, but it just it uh, reminded me of that idea. So, uh, let's continue. Abinegeyele, Regarding the teachers' union. See, that's who I believe that Rebbe is referring to, or at the very least that Rebbe is referring to other educators. It sounds like this person's a, a, a teacher, and that Rebbe is speaking to them about um, the other teachers, their colleagues with, with whom they're teaching. So basically Rebbe is saying, I'm trying to get through to you guys that you don't have to always come out with big ideas. And, and that's why I'm saying it's connected to the first part of the letter where the Rebbe is saying, like, you're waiting and waiting and waiting to write to me. To me, it, was, it seemed connected. Like, you're waiting and waiting and waiting to write to me. Like, just write regular stuff. Just <laughs> write regular stuff. You don't, it doesn't, don't wait so long, right? Don't push it off. And here the Rebbe is saying um, a similar thing. Like, you guys are waiting to serve Hashem because you're waiting for something big with which to serve Hashem. Just serve Hashem with regular little stuff. And now watch what the Rebbe says, especially, especially when it comes to education, which seems to be the field with which this person's involved. Okay, so regarding the teacher's union, says the Rebbe here, who pashit kipshutei protim hapuotim besidre yem yem ashim miprotim elu that if you take care of these seemingly insignificant details and you do it properly, what's going to happen? That's the way to raise a praiseworthy, upstanding generation a generation that's going to bring Mashiach and that will be able to point to them and say, look at the produce, look at the fruits which we produced. You think 
that you only change lives with big things? No. You change lives with little things. I think that's such a, an, an important and powerful uh, idea for parents and educators to remember that when it comes to children, you know, uh, sad, but you see this very often with parents who are regretting the past and they want to make up for lost time. Maybe they weren't present. Unfortunately, you see this a lot with fathers and they, uh, they have guilt about that. Maybe even now their children are grown and they want to make up for it. And they often, I mean, I've encountered this many times, they try to make up for it with these, frankly, absurdly extravagant displays when really what's called for, what was always called for, was just being involved in little stuff, day-to-day -day stuff, you know, family dinner and stuff like that. And uh, even now you want to start making up for it. Okay, you know... Uh, <laughs> Maybe fitting with the whole muscle of Tamidin, but Avra Yeme Batal Carbone, that uh, yesterday's sacrificial offering can't be brought today. Well, all you can do is start from today. Start with the regular stuff today. Start with being there for the small things. And the same thing with educators, with teachers. You know, the influence that a teacher has on a child, it's not necessarily anything that's earth shattering. It's more about the consistency, about creating a predictable, reliable, safe place in the classroom where the child can feel secure. And, uh, you know, years later, you don't necessarily even remember anything big that this teacher did or said, but you remember that you grew a lot. You had a lot of progress when you were under this teacher's tutelage. And uh, I think it's important for us to remember that it's the little things that sometimes, and the Rebbe doesn't say this explicitly, but it seems, I'll take the liberty to say this, it seems that Rebbe is saying that, uh, you know, sometimes the ego, again, the Rebbe doesn't say that explicitly, but to me it, it, it seems implied, like, why can't they get you guys to be excited about the little things. Why are you only excited about the big things? When it comes to Chinuch, it's dafka the little things that make a huge impression on the kids. There's a this story they tell that uh, in 1967, during the Six-Day War, during the build-up to the Six-Day War, a lot of Americans flew to Eretz Yisrael to be part of the war effort because they felt that the Hisaitis, the Pintalayid, and uh, they went to Ertzisro, and miraculously, the Jews won the war in six days, and the whole thing was was over, and the the danger passed, and all of these Jews who flew into Ertzisro to be there during the war effort, they started flying back to America and going back home. So Golda Meir was the foreign secretary at that time. She wasn't yet prime minister; she was the the foreign minister. So she was the one who was dealing with the, the foreigners, the Americans and others who were coming in. So she said to them, I don't understand. In time of war, you were willing to come here and to die with us. In time of peace, you're not willing to stay here and live with us. But, uh, you know, isn't that human nature? 
that a big dramatic display is a lot more attractive than tedious everyday showing up. It's counterintuitive because you would think the everyday stuff is easier and the big stuff is harder. But really, psychologically, most of us, we gravitate toward the big stuff because it's exciting and you know, it, it, it appeals <laughs> to the, to the ego and to the sense of, look at me, I've accomplished something. And the day-to-day -day stuff is very often glamorless and thankless and boring and it's a grind, but that's the stuff that makes a difference. And especially this is what that I was saying with children, this is what changes the children's lives. Okay, so, oh, we got a few more lines here. Uh, I await good news and all of the above, and I bless you for your success to continue in actual practice. And I just love that. I love that. Where the Rebbe, I mean, this was a semi-harsh letter. Uh, the Rebbe said, why don't you write? You prepared all that time to produce such a meager little letter. And then the Rebbe was saying, and why are you guys turning your nose up at chinuch opportunities that you don't find exciting enough, right? So th those are two harsh things. I mean, I would, I would take it harshly if I got this letter. But, in, it, but even at the end of such a letter, I love the positivity that Rebbe said. <laughs> you should continue your success. The Rebbe doesn't say, hey, you failures, hey, you failures, start succeeding. The Rebbe says, hey, successful people, continue your success. Just succeed a little bit more, a lot more. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, that's the end of the first letter tonight. We'll take a little intermission, as we do Thursday nights, and we'll uh, continue with letter number two.